Sunday blessings to you all. This is the Lord's Day, the day of resurrection that commences a new week and offers a new opportunity to be drawn by grace more deeply into the paschal mystery of Jesus Christ. Through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, may each of us graciously respond to Jesus' invitation to live more deeply his passion, death, and glorious resurrection and ascension, and be drawn into loving communion with God our Father. You are listening to Encountering Jesus with the Church Fathers, a podcast pondering patristic commentary and insight on the sacred scriptures, the sacred liturgy, and living as a disciple of Jesus Christ. I am your host, Father Mark, and I welcome you to this podcast on the third Sunday in Ordinary Time. Guiding us this Sunday in opening the Word of God is Pope St. Leo the Great, one of the Latin or Western Fathers of the Church. In addition, he is one of only a handful of Fathers of the Church designated the Great. As Bishop of Rome in the mid-5th century, Pope St. Leo fought against Arianism, Pelagianism, and Manichaeanism, to name only a few. Yet as Roman society was collapsing and eventually fell, Pope St. Leo provided not only sound leadership in the Church, but in society at large by working vigorously to care for the needs of the poor through the corporal works of mercy. This Sunday's selection from St. Leo the Great has a definite Christmas tone to it, as it was preached by him on the Solemnity of the Lord's Nativity in the year 444. His Sermon 25 includes a powerful reflection on the Isaiah text proclaimed at Mass this third Sunday in Ordinary Time. In addition, in the podcast description, I have once again provided a link to my blog, which has an article this week on the kingdom of heaven as proclaimed by Jesus in the excerpt that we hear at Mass today from Matthew's Gospel. And now, from Pope St. Leo the Great's Sermon 25. Since we, dearly beloved, have the safeguard of truth amid dangers of error, since we have been instructed, not in the words of human wisdom, but in the teaching of the Holy Spirit, we believe what we have learned, and we proclaim what we believe, that the Son of God, begotten by the Father before the ages, and co-eternal with the Father, in an eternal and consubstantial equality, has come into the world through the womb of the Virgin, who has been chosen 
for this mystery of compassion. In her and from her, wisdom has built itself a house, and the immutable divinity of the Word has fitted to himself the form of a servant unto the likeness of sinful flesh. Yet his glory, the one which he shares with the Father and the Holy Spirit, in no way decreases, for his nature cannot admit of diminution or change with respect to the supreme and eternal essence. On account of our infirmity, however, he made himself smaller for human beings who did not have the capacity to receive him and covered the splendor of his majesty, which human sight could not bear, with the veil of his body. Thus is he said to have emptied himself. He voided himself, so to speak, of his own power. In this lowliness through which he attended to our needs, he became inferior not only to the Father, but even to himself. Nothing was lacking to him in this condescension, to him who has an essence in common with the Father and the Holy Spirit. We understand it to be an aspect of omnipotence, that he who becomes less with respect to our characteristics does not become less with respect to his own. Light became concerned with the blind, strength with the weak, mercy with the miserable. Consequently, it has come about through his great power that the Son of God took up human substance along with its need to rebuild the nature which he created and to abolish the death which he did not make. Once they have repudiated and cast far away every last notion held by the godless, for whom Christ is neither foolishness or scandal, let the faith of orthodox minds exult. Let it recognize the true and only Son of God, not just according to the divinity in which he was begotten by the Father, but also according to the humanity in which he was born of his virgin mother. There is only one person in our lowliness and in divine majesty, true man and true God, eternal in his own state, temporal in ours, one with the Father in a substance which has never been less than the Father, one with his mother in the body which he created. In taking on our nature, he became for us a step whereby we might rise up to him and through him. That essence, which exists everywhere, all the time and in its eternity, 
did not require a dissent with respect to place. It was every bit as compatible with this essence to be grafted whole into a human being as it was for it not to be separated even in part from the Father. As a result, it continues to be what in the beginning was the Word, and it could not in any way have the property of ceasing to be what it once was. For the Son is eternally the Son, and the Father eternally the Father. So when the Son himself says, Who sees me sees the Father also, your godlessness, O heretic, has very much blinded you. Not seeing the majesty of the Son, you do not see the glory of the Father either. By saying that he was begotten, who at one point did not exist, you assert that the Son is temporal, and as long as you assert that the Son is temporal, you believe the Father to be changeable. For the term changeable applies not only to that which has diminished, but also to whatever has increased. If, therefore, the begotten is unequal to the Father, since begetting, as you define the term, brought forth someone who had not been, then the essence of the begetter was also imperfect, insofar as it made progress through begetting in the acquisition of something which it did not have before. Yet the Catholic faith curses and condemns this godless perversity of yours. It recognizes nothing temporal in the true divinity, but acknowledges both the Father and the Son to have the same eternity. For the beam that emanates from light does not come after the light. True light never lacks a beam, having as part of its substance to shine, just as it always has as part of its substance to exist. But the manifestation of this beam has been called ascending, by which Christ appeared to the world. Although he filled all things with his invisible majesty, he came nevertheless to those who had not known him, as if from a very remote and deep seclusion. At that time, he took away the blindness of ignorance, as it has been written, For those sitting in darkness and the shadow of death, a light has arisen. Of course the light of truth has been sent out in prior ages to enlighten the holy fathers and the prophets, as when David said, Send out your light and your truth. Of course the divinity of the Son has been made clear in the works of his presence in various and in many signs. 
yet. All these prefigurations and all these miracles bore testimony about that sending of which the Apostle speaks. When the fullness of time came, God sent his Son, made from a woman, made under the law. What could this be, except that the Word becomes flesh, that the Creator of the world is born through the womb of a virgin, that the Lord of Majesty adapts Himself to essential human nature? Although the contagiousness of earthly seed has not infected this spiritual conception, What could this be except that the Lord, in order to take on, nevertheless, the essence of true flesh, assumes only the nature itself from his mother? With respect to this mission, wherein God has been united to man, the Son is unequal to the Father, not in that which comes from the Father, but in that which has been made from a human being. His humanity has not destroyed the equality which remains inviolable in the divinity, and the descent of the Creator to the creature is really the elevation of believers to eternal life. Because in the wisdom of God, as the Apostle says, The world did not know God through its own wisdom. It pleased God to make believers saved through the foolishness of preaching. To the world, that is, to the clever ones of this world, their wisdom has become blindness. Nor could they know God by it. For no one can come to knowledge of him except in his wisdom. Because the world was taking pride in the emptiness of its doctrines, the Lord grounded the faith of those who are to be saved in this, that, although it might seem both unworthy and foolish, with all presumptions of opinion falling away, the grace of God alone might reveal what human intelligence could not be capable of understanding. Let the Catholic faith, therefore, recognize its own glory in the Lord's humility. Let the Church, which is the body of Christ, rejoice in the mysteries of its salvation, because unless the Word of God had become flesh and lived among us, unless the Creator Himself had descended to a communion with the creature and by His birth recalled human oldness to a new beginning, death would reign from Adam up to the end. Over all human beings would remain an unremediable condemnation since from nothing more than the condition of being born, all would have a single cause for perishing. 
Consequently, the Lord Jesus, alone among the sons of human beings to have been born innocent, since he alone had been conceived without the defilement brought by concupiscence of the flesh, was made a man of our race, so that we might be able to become partakers of the divine nature. He placed in the font of baptism that very origin which he had assumed in the virgin's womb. He gave to the water what he had given to his mother. For the same power of the Most High and overshadowing of the Holy Spirit that caused Mary to bear the Savior makes the water regenerate for the believer. What was more suitable for healing the sick, for opening the eyes of the blind, for raising the dead, than the wounds of pride should be attended to with remedies of humility? Adam, disregarding the instructions of God, brought in the domination of sin. Jesus, made under the law, restored the liberty of justice. Adam, listening to the devil all the way to his going astray, merited that all should die in him. Jesus, obeying his Father all the way to the cross, brought it about that all should be brought to life in him. Adam, coveting the honor of angels, lost the dignity of his own nature. Jesus, taking on the condition of our infirmity, placed among the inhabitants of heaven those for whom he descended into hell. Finally, to Adam, fallen on account of his self-exaltation, was said, Earth you are, and into earth you shall go. But to Jesus, exalted on account of his humility, was said, Sit at my right hand until I put your enemies down as a footstool for your feet. Pope St. Leo the Great, pray for us. Let us pray. Almighty, ever-living God, direct our actions according to your good pleasure, that in the name of your beloved Son, we may abound in good works. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, God, forever and ever. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Go and announce the Gospel of the Lord. <laughs>